Right on radio. Right on radio. Hey everybody, welcome to Right On Radio, where we live right in the real world. That's right, we will show you what the real world is and you decide how to live right. And today we're going to be talking about the facts of life. That's right, there are some facts of life that every one of us must go through. And because of the circumstances of last week with Jesse losing her son Josiah, we are not exploiting that but obviously there is a lot of people grieving in our audience and we want to understand it and we want to understand what are the tools we can use to to help get through these situations because each one of you, including myself, has been through this process before and perhaps we can get a faith-based reality on uh, what is going on and how we can go through it and maybe uh, just... Just help us get through life and help other people get through these things as well. Because at the end of the day, you are sent out uh, and you are here to make a difference in your community. And people in your community go through this all of the time as well. So I'm very pleased to have a very special guest today. All candor uh, put aside, she is a friend of over 15 years. We consider her to be part of my family. Uh, That's how close of a friend that she is. She has a doctorate in theology. She has been listening to the show for a very long time, well, since the beginning, so she's uh, quite aware of all the things that are going on in the world, Uh, but she's also got a doctorate in psychology, so she is a Christian psychologist in many ways, and her approach has always been faith-based and very, very grounded in the Word of God. So it is with extreme pleasure that I welcome to Right On Radio, Dr. Carolyn. Dr. Carolyn, thank you for joining me today. Hi, thank you so much for coming. Just a little bit of a caveat, not doctor. Um, I do hold a doctorate, but I'm a registered psychotherapist with uh, the province of Ontario, so we don't use the title doctor. Oh, okay. But you are my psychotherapist. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I do hold it. (laughs) That's right. Okay, so truthfully, you have never actually been my psychotherapist. Just all of those who are around me who need it because of me. Yes, yes. I say you keep in business. Uh, but actually, I have seen the fruits of your work with many, uh, Carolyn, and uh, you do great work, and you've been a good friend of mine in some very uh, tough uh, tough trials, and with my family as well. You have really mm-hmm. made a difference, and I expect that uh, that people will get some really good information out of this as well, because it is a fact of life that we all encounter at one point in time, you know? It's it's a, a grief, and and of course, with what happened with Jesse, not exploiting it at yep. all. This is more done as a service uh, to not only Jesse uh, but to also the audience. And this did come as an audience request, and it just so happened the timing was uh, very good for Carolyn to join today. It's an honor. Thank you so much. And you know, grief is a part of loving. Actually, I often say it's the price we pay for loving is grief. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you said that. Uh, my personal perspective on this has always been when I feel those sad feelings and, and actually we talked about this the other night, you know, when I lost my mom, 
um, and I'm coming up on the date of her birthday right now, you know, I always get a tear in my eye, but I celebrate having that tear because if she didn't mean anything to me, that wouldn't be there. So it's actually, it's a moment of joy for me to, uh, to experience that. And I look forward to it every mm -hmm. year. And that is the hope of the journey of grief is to get to that place of joy, but it's a tough, long journey for a lot of people. It certainly is. And just before we dive in, because I know there there's some steps that are recorded and, and I know you have some statements that are you going to make around around that. But uh, because we have a, a very close personal friendship, you know me very well, uh, but I haven't had the opportunity to meet too many people in our audience because of the border restrictions and things like that. So uh, I'm going to take a risk, Carolyn, and I'm going to ask you if you want to. Uh, this is unscripted. No, I don't. I have no idea what you would say. But uh, if you want to tell the audience something about me that they might not know, uh, I will give you permission to do that. Okay, I'll chew on that one. <laughs> don't chew. Don't chew too hard. <laughs> yeah, I have to watch you. You might not make me dinner if I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll still feed you, Carolyn. I'll be feed you, I promise. <laughs> so, so uh, in all candor, so Carolyn is coming live from my kitchen right now. <laughs> uh, no, it's an honor to have you here with us, and uh, it it really is. Uh, so, Carolyn, in light of what happened, uh, let I want to put Jesse aside for the most part in this conversation, Jesse is not like any other human being that I have ever met. Uh, her strength has been so incredible. Uh, she's in, you know, uh, well, uh, she has not rested. She is working through this and, uh, you know, but I don't suspect there's a lot of documentation or, uh, or case precedence for a person like Jesse in your profession. So let, let, let's, let's cover the 99.9999% of the people. And, uh, and I'm sure that uh, Jesse will be able to relate to some of it, but really for our audience. And so our audience can not only uh, when they experience these things themselves, but to also help other people. Uh, who go through it because this, listen, folks, is common, right? Uh, having some loss. So without uh, further ado, can you just give me an overall on grief and, and an approach to looking at it? Mm -hmm. Okay. In psychology, uh, our basis of, of understanding of grief, or at least what we've studied the most, is Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. No relation, by the way. Um uh, she did a book on uh, in '69 on death and dying. She was actually researching people who were in the process of dying. So not all of this. Uh, it, the thing about grief is we have to realize it's not just about death; it's about loss. But she had she developed five stages or determined five stages. Before I even speak on it, it's important to understand that even though there are five stages, we don't go through them in a linear fashion. And not everyone goes through all five. But this is a, maybe we can say it, it's it's common, not necessarily normal, because there's no normal way to grieve. And if that's anything that you get out of me today, it's to recognize everyone grieves differently and no one grieves in an incorrect manner. We just grieve the best way we know how. 
So having said that, we do observe certain uh, commonalities with people. And so uh, Kugler-Ross determined the five stages being denial, and that's where you, you just can't believe that what happened happened, and people sometimes go into a bit of a dissociated state there. There's anger, um, there's bargaining, there's depression, and then acceptance. And actually, David uh, Kessler, who worked with Kubler-Ross many, many years ago, just put out a new book just recently, um, and I just finished reading it, on uh, finding a sixth stage he calls finding meaning. And that's not necessarily meaning in the death, but meaning in what does my life look like now, because it's completely changed. Mm. Um, I, I appreciate very much that additional part of it. So I don't know how do you want to discuss this? Do you want me to go through them on their own? Well, let, let's talk about denial and, you yeah. know, whether it's or not, it's the first stage, as, as you say, it's, it's a very, uh, everyone handles right. things differently, but, but what does denial look like from the, from the perspective of the, the person who's suffering that loss? Right. Well, it's that moment where your brain's trying to process what just happened. So especially when there's a sudden loss or a sudden death, uh, the, you, you come to full stop. Basically, that's what denial is. The brain cannot fully comprehend the information that's just been given. And when you see someone at a funeral um, and they've got that glassy-eyed look and they're not talking and they're not making any sense, typically that's the denials, not necessarily the... Um, the medication that they're given it's the, the brain just cannot process everything that's going on and then in terms of a funeral uh, all of the added expectations that are on the person physically so our brains are amazingly made <coughs> the gift that god has given us to give us a chance to kind of catch up with what the truth is um and it can go on a continuum from taking three minutes oh no that can't happen to uh, some people when people are dying, um, they can just, I don't have that diagnosis. I'm not going to die. <laughs> they will go about life without recognizing that this is what is happening and maybe not even preparing themselves or preparing their families. So, so it's in a situation like this, Carolyn, uh, you know, so, you know, it just what spurred this conversation is the loss of a child, obviously. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would expect in that particular situation, because a mother is never supposed to outlive uh, or a father outlive their, their child. And I can see denial being uh, really mm -hmm. prominent in that type of a case. Uh, you know, in, in your profession, uh, let's say you get someone the next day. How do you handle that? You don't. <laughs> <laughs> not, not the answer you want maybe you know grief back to the electroshock therapy yeah, that I no, no 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 I, I don't pull that out unless you're coming to the door <laughs> um the thing with grief counseling is that it's different with every person it's very unique a lot of therapists don't like it because it feels very much out of control and honestly it's it's something that happens over a long period of time. So you don't see a whole lot of improvement immediately. 
uh, in the early stages where it's the denial and the bargaining and, and all you can do is just sit and love and, and uh, have compassion and hold and listen. So when it's, when speaking it's, is actually healing for them. Exactly. Exactly. It's, mm. uh, it's a tough, tough time. And a lot of people will say, uh, I don't remember anything about that three months or, or whatever period is because I was on autopilot. I was just doing what needed to be done. And that's the brain's way of protecting us. I think if we really, at the moment of hearing of someone's death, fully understood what our future was going to be like, uh, yeah, I don't know where a lot of us would be. So yeah, we take now, it you, in stages, right? You, you brought up one thing, uh, and, and I don't want to jump ahead, but Mm. Uh, actually, let, let's stay at this initial loss. So maybe it's the uh, denial stage or it, it doesn't really matter. But for someone who's close to that person who just lost something and, and you know, for instance, when I'm at a funeral or if I just get the call and someone has lost the world, but quite honestly, when, I, when Jesse called, I, I what words can someone give? Like it, it's, I don't want to make it, like, um, I don't have the right words, but you know, it's, it's, it's almost uncomfortable because you want to help the person, but we cannot, or I couldn't find the words and I've been in this yeah. situation many times. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting because when you talk with people who are grieving, they will tell you some of the craziest things they hear. If you lost a child, we can have another child, all kinds of things. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. But you know what? We are so uncomfortable with the pain of others, and we want to fix it now. And so we will come out with the craziest things. And honestly, the best thing is to say nothing. Open up your arms and let them cry. Just let them grieve wherever they're grieving, wherever they are. I think that's the most important lesson to learn is that no one grieves inappropriately. And if you find that you just can't, don't know what to say, I don't know what to say. I have no words for your pain. I'm just here for you. you whenever you want to call, just call. And typically that is what people will come back to me or, or will communicate to me is the, the most profound and powerful thing that uh, that is done that person who comes with breakfast <laughs> and just says i'm here but is it not our human nature you know um my observation is often when when you're talking to someone the other person really isn't listening to you they're thinking of what they're going to say back and so people uh in general feel a sense of personal responsibility yeah to say something, but it could be the, it could be, and not always, but it could be the wrong thing to do is what I'm hearing from you. Yes. And, and people again will say, um, later on, uh, I didn't, I knew that they weren't, they didn't mean what they said. As you start to heal, you realize that people are just doing the best they can. All of us are doing the best we can. Even when you talk about Jesse, you just don't know. We don't have the words for what she's going through right now. The most powerful thing that we can do is pray, honestly, because that allows God to bring the comfort that she needs. It's not our job 
to bring her that comfort and her understanding. It's, it's God will bring what he needs to bring. He will anoint her and strengthen them, anyone, to do what they need to do at the time. So it's, it's the same answer for everything in life, isn't it? Press into God. <laughs> It seems so. And it just, you know, every time it seems that every program now I'm repeating, you know, get out of God's way and let him work. For sure. For you know? sure. Yeah. But, but we're, we're also his soldiers and we're, you know, we feel dispatched and we want to go out and make a difference. But, you know, uh, I guess it's, it's that discernment of when to do things. And, and if you haven't heard yeah. something clearly from God, shut up. <laughs> Oh, yes. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> I, I know there are people in the audience saying, yeah, Jeff, listen to yourself. <laughs> well, me too, right? <laughs> As a yeah. therapist, they're looking at you saying, oh, you make me feel better. And I can't, I can't, I wish I could. Um, often it's just that, that person that is listening. A lot of times, do you know what ha happens a lot of times is asking um asking questions about so if we're getting into the deceased because there are so many different losses even us uh in in the midst of this pandemic we have lost so much mm -hmm. and uh i see that i see it in my own life i see it in everyone's lives that there's so much loss everything that we have done to cope everything we use to cope for um exercise, being with people, going out for a, a meal with good friends. It's all been taken away from us. Family, grandparents who can't see their grandchildren. Um, and then all of the, the other, the other <laughs> problems that are coming up with the division. There's so much loss happening and you can see it affecting people's mental health, which makes us even, sorry, yeah. Yeah. So, so that is almost a multiplier for anyone going through a, a loss and some grief right now uh, with what's going on with, you know, the circumstances in the world today and the tyrannical orders and everything else that's going on. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really amplified. We're not meant to be apart. We really are not meant to be isolated at all, at all. I'm so mm -hmm. thankful for Zoom and these sort of things that it's, I do all of my work now by uh, video, secured video. Uh, when it first started, I was hesitant about it. I didn't know how it was gonna work. It's worked out very well. I mean, it, it, love is love and connection is connection. And even over video, you can do it, but it's still not, how long has it been since you've had a hug? Yeah. Right? A lot of people are out there without any hugs. So I often say to anyone I work with that, if you had, let's say, anxiety at six out of 10 or four out of 10 before this started, add two points without even batting an eye. It's everybody's anxiety level, whether they realize it or not, is higher. And then add to that, especially in the early stages, uh, and I went through this in my own personal life where there was a death in June of 2020, no funeral. Nothing, absolutely nothing. And that the, those rituals are so important, even though those rituals can be incredibly painful. It's so important to, and I think it helps with that denial stage. It helps to bring it home. Then you have that visual of the funeral. You have the visual of the casket and that person actually is there and they're dead. Uh, as awful as that is to think about, it, 
it is part of the way our brain needs to process what has happened to us. You know, it's weird. I have mixed feelings on that. And of course, it's just a personal thing for anybody. I'm not against funerals mm -hmm. or anything, but uh, it's uh, for myself. Uh, well, I've, I've written my will and I don't want a funeral. I have a very specific uh, gathering and celebration of life that uh, that yeah. I've asked my my wife and my daughter to, uh, you know, to handle for me if I mm -hmm. do go first. And I suspect I probably will. <laughs> Let's hope we yeah. all together. I, I would prefer that uh, than my wife and my daughter, obviously. Yeah. You know, but uh, everyone has a different thing. Uh, but I, I've found, for me, funerals have not been healing. Uh, they just, they haven't. Um, but but I recognize at the same time that most people who are there probably think differently than I do. Yeah. Yeah, and, and funerals, honestly, are up to the people left behind, yeah. whatever they need, however they need to process uh, the death, right, and what it looks like and how they how they feel that they want to honor uh, the, the remains, which is a, a big thing for us, right? We want to, we want to know that that person has been honored right to the very end, so yeah, yeah it's, and that comes back again to there's no real right way to grieve. There really isn't. You just have to do what what is going to help you, and uh, and hopefully the people around you will agree, and you won't have all of the. You can have a lot of problems with families over that whole process of of death and and estate and all of that. It can cause huge problems within families. So it's a toughie. So one of the stages that you mentioned, and and I I know you possibly have a, a disagreement with this just on your own theology but the the second one in the list of five that was given mm -hmm. by that author is anger uh mm -hmm. is, is there a time when anger is healthy and listen you know we look at what's happening in towns like chicago now or some of these big states where listen 50 60 uh mothers and fathers are losing children uh you know every weekend there and when you lose to a random gunshot or something like that, I can't help but think that there's anger involved. Well, you know what? Anger is, there's nothing wrong with anger itself. God gave us anger. There's a reason for it. It's a, it's a healthy thing to have. It's sinning in the anger that's the problem. So absolutely, anger is, is so normal. How can anger has everything to do with power and control, right? Mm -hmm. And power and control even are not negative. They are, we need to have power. We need to know that we're empowered to do what we're doing. We need to know that our lives are in control, that they're, in, that they're, they're ordered. And so when anything comes in and messes that up, we respond very strongly. And, and part of the sin nature, too, is we, wanted, we want things our way, right? Um, when you come into that sort of, of evil where there is a murder, and that is another layer, again, of, of grief. I mean, it's, it's, it's loss of security. It's loss of safety. It's everything becomes unhinged. Nothing is safe anymore. We're finding a lot of that with the pandemic is that can, can, I, can I go out and touch this door handle? <laughs> I'm going to get sick. Or is that person over there safe? Um, anger can be so divisive. 
but it can also strengthen us. I mean, that's why God gave it to us, righteous anger, to change things and to bring things back to to equal, normal, balance, whatever you want to call that. So, so the, the greatest example, obviously, from the Bible, in my opinion, is from Jesus himself when he went and he turned the tables. And obviously that was a righteous anger because Jesus did no wrong. But, you know, how do we or, or how does a person uh, find that power to have control? Uh, over anger because anger, I know myself, and it's very rare. I get when I get angry, look out, uh, you know, the adrenaline is running and it's overpowering the brain. You know, uh, what are some tools or mechanisms that someone can employ to have more control? If I can go back to my little disagreement with uh, anger and bargaining, um, I believe that bargaining comes second. And I think it's just for us as Christians, we start bargaining with God, right? Why did you do this? What did I do wrong? What did they do wrong? What can I do to change it? Oh, God, I'll be the best mother in the whole world if you just take my child through this surgery. All those things. And when uh, God does not, we feel that God does not answer that prayer. Certainly, he, he answers every prayer, and we know that. But when we feel that he hasn't or he hasn't answered it in the way that we want, then the anger comes. We're angry at him and we're angry at each other. more sense. You're right. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know if it's just, again, making it very clear that these stages really are not linear. They they jump in and around each other. And and you can go through the denial part after the bargaining too. You know, this hasn't happened. God couldn't do this to me. Um, When you talk with a lot of people who no longer have faith or who well, I'll say no, no, no longer. It's because God didn't answer some sort of a bargain that they made, right? Mm. And uh, and they become they haven't worked through the rest of the stages, which is uh, depression and um, and acceptance, and then as as Kessler has added, finding meaning in what my life is now. So coming back to that anger part of it, um, denying anger isn't going to help at all and that's where when you're working with someone who's grieving allowing them just to be angry just that that's okay that's all part of the process of trying to make sense of what's just happened to me and some people find great power in that angry stage and not even not destructive anger, but just you think about it if um, uh, mothers against drunk driving is a very good example of that right? Uh, They took that anger out on drunk driving. And boy, did they empower themselves and everybody else to make some changes. So we find that a lot of the changes that have been made come from that, that grief and and anger stage. And boy, did they become a household name in doing it. So you're right, that that is anger being used wisely and and being put and you know what even if someone doesn't have faith uh that's an exercise of power and control and doing something for the betterment of society Mm -hmm. but you know how how much uh and you know obviously you know this is your profession but it's also a ministry for you i know as well carolyn and how much does faith play a role in uh in this and and then then we'll get back to the uh to the bargaining stage, but if someone has a faith, how how have you seen uh, it help people through these stages? 
much quicker, I will say. Um, not my will, but your will coming to that place of recognizing that God has allowed it to happen for whatever reason. Um, this is his world. It's his timing. And that's a toughie because we want to be in control again. Um, so I have found that, that people of faith do tend to make it through that whole process to acceptance quicker and in a more solid manner. But that doesn't mean that if you don't have faith that you won't go there. It's just that it's an added, I always say that, that God adds jet fuel to everything and, and he will, he makes everything better, you know, yeah. in, in that time of, of um, depression and that time of being, because one thing about grief is it's a very lonely journey. No one can really travel it with you. Even people who have lost, you know, parents who have lost children, they, they grieve differently. Everyone grieves differently. And so uh, having the Lord walk with you. And that's where the bargaining and the anger come in as well, um, in that it's a very uncomfortable feeling. and We want out of it. We want out of it as yeah. quick as we can get out of it. Uh, and so you really have to wrestle with God in that whole process of accepting that you, this is what your brain has to go through. This is what your body, I mean, we're so incredibly made that we even have um, a biological process that has to be done in order for us to get through this, uh, to have the strength to do it. And so what do you mean by biological process? Well, depression is biological. That's all it is. It's adrenaline. It's the vagal nerve, uh, which comes from the brain and goes to the, the heart and the lungs and the uh, uh, digestive system. And uh, the cortisol, adrenaline, all of those ways that our body was created to protect ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, and, of course, as I said, in, in this society, uh, we are so anxious we just have so much going into our heads that we're on high alert to begin with. And then imagine how the body responds. Anybody thinking about how they respond when they've received that news, um, it, it, you, the entire process, the vagal process starts and People faint, they throw up, they, they fright or flight, which is basically to understand the vagal process, it's the fright, flight or freeze response. Okay, that, that's all how that goes through. And it's an awesome thing because it protects us. But if it, 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 goes, it does, yeah. If it goes on too long, then um and, and thank God we have medication that can help um for a period of time. Certainly we don't want to be on it a long, long time, but and that's what it does is it just settles down the system long enough that the brain can actually work because brain doesn't work through fear. It doesn't. We can't reason through fear. And so that's where if you think about it, the denial and the bargaining and the anger, they're all fear based. Fear is at the root of everything. Yeah, and fear does not come from God. That's for sure. And even if it's a, uh, if the loss was uh, was terrible, as was the one with with Jesse, you know, just remembering that the Lord is your vengeance. Uh, if you have faith, can give you peace. But uh, if you don't have faith, you could also, you know, uh, the law of reciprocity is a very real one as well. And not that you wish for vengeance to happen, but some some people in those circumstances 
Uh, it's a real thought, <laughs> you know. It, it obviously is, and I think it's a normal thought because we want control. <laughs> we we want to be God. Um, now, this is the, the challenge, right, of of accepting the fact that we are not. Right? Now, one of the things you just mentioned, you know, and particularly with the depression stage, is that there's some medications and stuff like that, and medications can bridge the gap, help your body. <laughs> Uh, return to normal, and then you can take on the fight a little bit better. I'm, I'm certainly for uh, modern medicine, but I guess what my question is, is this is, and, and maybe it's more of a, a hypothetical answer that I'm asking for here, Carolyn, but this is a modern thing that we have, these medicines. Do you think that uh, people 102 years ago, uh, depression was as rampant as it is now? No, because there wasn't uh, the same degree of anxiety. Certainly, anxiety is always there. It's, we need that. Um, even fear. It, God, God gives us fear, but it's, it's that righteous. Um, it, it, the whole point is, if you're feeling fear, then fear of the Lord is where we need to go by mm -hmm. saying that he is everything. And we don't want to do anything to the, the fear of the Lord being the beginning of wisdom. You don't want to do anything that is going to uh, separate you from him or, or affect your relationships. So 100 years ago, well, you know what? There have always been natural remedies for everything. Always. Well, that's true. And, but, the nations. Mm -hmm. but it was also a much simpler life right now. It, like and back, back then, I imagine women had body issues, men had body issues, there was anxieties around different things. and uh, But now, the, the amount of darts that come at every single person in the modern world, uh, I, I, I listen, we're, we're never given a challenge we cannot overcome, but I don't think we were made for this no. type of stimuli. No, definitely not. And when you think of it, um, people were not as far apart. Families were, you'd have generations in, in the home. So grandma was always there. Grandpa was there. There were aunts. There were uncles. There were cousins. There were, the support was there. And a lot of this fear comes from being isolated. That's the, the whole, the enemy's whole opera, you know, uh, MO is to isolate us from each other. And especially from God. You know so. what? And as soon as you said that, I, you know, when two or more are gathered, yeah. you know, the Lord promises. I just wonder if that is part of the strategy. I agree. You know, I agree. I agree. And in this pandemic, same thing. That's what I see over and over and over again uh, in dealing with people that they're they're so isolated. I experience myself so isolated in so many ways, and it's scary. So. We do need Jesus with skin on. That's what we are to be is, is him to each other. And that skin includes hugs <laughs> and right. high fives and handshakes and seeing the person's whole face, right? Yeah. Instead of just their, the eyes say a lot, but we still need all of those expressions. And, and that communication is so important. Even when you get into soul ties, um, we are tied to the people around us. There is a, a, a beautiful um, connection that, that God has given us in family and in spouses and, and that sort of thing. So it's very, very important that we're connected some way. So, 
and it, and it's no mistake that the family has been under attack, of course. <clears throat> and um, and and you know, I'm just thinking when you're saying the importance of being in our togetherness, this six feet of part, and yet it, and and by the way, when they bury a body, how many feet is it? That's right. It's six feet under. It's yeah. a representation of death, isn't it? And it's you know what it is. It's outside of the extension of your arms. Most people have like a three three foot reach. So for six feet apart, we can't touch. Wow. Wow. Yeah, they just happened to have the stickers ready to go. They were amazing how they all showed up at the right time. And and by the yeah. way, we're getting off track, but how did all the plastic <laughs> show up for all these cashiers and that all custom made, ready to go? Yeah. No, but we're just, we're, we're fierce. Well, we, we just need to deal with what's in front of us, right? We, we don't have that again. We don't have the power to change these things. We can only cope with it. We can only uh, process it in our own mind. So that's, you can see how I come back to everything that we're going. It's not just death. It's the loss of, think of the people who are losing their jobs because of their yeah. beliefs right now. That's a tremendous loss. And there's going to be such intense grieving over that that affects everyone. Well, yeah, because, you know, you everyone wants to provide in their home and, exactly. you know, these are, these are very real things. And then, and of course, there's the side pressures that come out of that because, you know, okay, not only are you being penalized for, you know, certain inactions, we have to be careful what we say here, but, but then, you know, the, uh, the bank will come calling and, and the hydro company will keep come calling yep. And they just and they just kick you when you're down because let's face it, you know, uh, you're you're down at that point, and and so depression I think is yeah. uh, going to intensify. Are there any tools that we have other than medication to just kind of cope when we feel depression coming on? Oh, many, many, many. Um, if you anyone wants to do some research on the vagal nerve, V A G A L. Uh, this is something that's sort of, I don't know, maybe five, seven years. We've recognized it, and psychology has an awful lot of, of uh, information on it. Uh, I find I work with a lot of post-traumatic stress, uh, actually first responders who struggle with post-traumatic stress. So the vagal nerve is very, very important in settling down. Their fright, flight, or freeze system is just through the roof. It, it, never, it never stops. Um, and so there are many things that we can do. And of course, um, I just challenge anybody to try it. I say it and people go, oh, all right, but uh, a deep breathing settles down the vagal nerve, uh, relaxation, prayer. Uh, once again, you come back, it, the Lord is the answer to everything. Prayer and meditating on scripture and uh, just taking the brain out of that place where they're trying to process, where it's trying to control, fix, manipulate, whatever. And, and I don't mean that in a negative way. These are healthy. Always remember that these things, God gave us all these things, yeah. you know, the power to control our environment, even the power to manipulate, but I don't mean in a, in a uh, you know, a negative way, but, but we do manipulate our environment. You, you, you manipulate a car when you drive it. So all of these things. Um, so many, many uh, other strategies. Uh, grounding is a really good tool to use. And what's grounding? Uh, well, that's where you want to ground your brain. 
basically get it out of the spin of fear. So one perfect example of grounding is to take your five fingers and uh, take the five senses. So you stop and you say, okay, five things I can see, uh, four things I can touch, three things I can I hear. I never get to one because it settles my system down, but then two things I can uh, smell and then one thing I can taste. And what happens when you're doing that is you're engaging a different part of your brain and it settles the system down. The body actually realizes, oh, I am in control now because that's what anxiety is. The body feels that it's out of control, right? Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Grounding is huge. And, and typically, if you're going to do it for yourself, just do the five things I can see. And, and for most people, that works. It's just that you're using a different part of your brain. That and, makes so much sense. Oh. It's just uh, realigning and, you know, and, and by, by the way, it, it's the same effect as going into God's word. You're exactly. realigning and using a different part of your brain. Exactly. Um, and so... Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, oh, that, that's, that's really amazing. And, it, you know, I always look for practical analogies, but yeah. uh, when I was training my dog, I had to tap into a different part of his brain because, well, you know what he was like when we first got him. <laughs> and and uh, so I really had to dig deep and find these ways. And, and, and mm -hmm. it was actually very similar. It was finding this way of switching in him. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, getting him to focus on something else. You're right. And and you see with him, he is the biggest suck on earth. All you have to do is rub under his ears. And so it's touch. Right? Until he's outside. <laughs> Until he's outside. <laughs> well, that's true. I haven't tried to walk him. I, I just yeah. know he, he comes along and his head is on my knee. Um, <laughs> so those are, are the strategies. Deep breathing, actually, we call it square breathing. So it's four, 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 and four. Uh, breathing in through your nose to the count of four, holding your breath for four, breathing out through your mouth to the count of four and doing it four times. That resets the vagal nerve. Now, if your anxiety is high, you're going to have to do it 100 times. It doesn't work once. Also, uh, my experience and my personal experience has been with consistent practice, your body responds very quickly to uh, when you start doing it. So uh, I find with anyone I work with that they, they, they're challenged to believe it at the first time I suggested, it seems too simple. But then when I'm nagging at them to do it <laughs> and asking them if they've done it, they do realize that, and they'll catch themselves. I do it all the time. I catch myself sitting at a red light and just going through the breathing because what whatever, whatever has happened, even just driving in traffic, you become aware of when your body, I call it spinning, when your body starts to spin, when you mm -hmm. feel that anxiety starting to creep up. So it's, it's a, it is a, a, a skill that we need to learn, but it's very effective. It basically does the same thing that, that anti-anxiety medication would do. Wow. And so the thing is, is God's already given us all these tools. Everything. We just have to employ them and uh and get that in it so what i love about this is the practical nature of it so you know even if if you're not going through it and you know someone is going through it yeah. you can say hey listen here's these five things what five things you see do some breathing yeah. do some you know a little bit and do it with them by the way it's, oh yeah it's, for sure you know 
uh, that's really showing love for someone and you're not making them or compelling if they don't want to do it to don't, you know, obviously. You can do it on, you can do it on video, on the phone. Um, touch is so important too. Mm. Touch grounds us as well. Um, we often tell with children to uh, bend down and touch the ground. <laughs> it works. It's the craziest thing. Pat an animal. Your body responds to that. A hug. Bodies respond to that. That's why this is so hard with all the isolation that we have now. But it does just get your brain to start going in a different way, a different direction. Another thing that's really interesting that uh, I just learned a, a few weeks ago was uh, ice cold water on the face. Yeah, just uh, just doing anything to to catch your your to take your your attention outward, I guess, is is what that does. Yeah, because you can't help but react to that. You know, well, you're going to have a physical reaction to it, obviously. And that's the way our bodies are created. We want to celebrate that. Mm. Right? They're, they're created to protect us to run. It's just that in our society, it's, it's so, you're on such high alert all the time. Yeah. All the time. Especially these days. <laughs> Especially these days. Yeah, so, even <laughs> So that's some that's some great uh, great tips about the depression, uh, and then <laughs> then you say there's a point of acceptance. Yeah. Tell me about the acceptance. Yeah, um, the the first ones are so painful. And we want to run away from them. We want to accept. We want to you know. But acceptance is where the brain has actually processed what has happened they've accepted the brain has accepted that this is the new normal um for us as believers uh, i i believe we come to that quicker just because we do submit to the will of god we do submit to the love of god we trust that where we find ourselves right now is uh he can be there even if now you can get into theology here and i, I really don't want to so much as to who causes what and what's allowed and all those all those sort of things um uh just suffice it to say even jesus in the garden uh in, in the book of john there are three different yeah. words that are used for not my will but your will really profound lesson in that the first one means my will your will they're the same not my will your will the second one is my will okay, I will acquiesce to your will. But the third one is I have no will. And that's where you come to acceptance that you realize, okay, I may not understand why this has happened. I may not understand God where you are in this or what you want out of me, but I'm going to trust you that you will lead me through this. And so there's, there's something that happens in, in the spirit and, and, as a result, because the, the body and the soul just respond to the spirit, right? It's not body, soul, spirit. It's spirit, soul, body. There's something that happens in the spirit that causes everything to settle down and to say, okay, all right, this is, you know, well, you can like you're handing it over to God, I guess, at, at that point. Uh, even if you're a non-believer, uh, it's just that it's out of my control. So. Yeah. It's, it, but you know what? I, I got to go back, Carolyn, because I think that was just so profound what you said about Jesus in the garden. Because it, obviously, Jesus was came, he was born of a womb, and he, he, was, he was a flesh unit. Mm -hmm. and 
he he proved to us that these things could be done. But at that time, knowing because he's still the alpha and the omega, he knew what he was going through, uh, and he was he was sweating blood. You yeah. know, this is the ultimate anxiety, and and yeah. who wouldn't be? Uh, but but he through those three examples came to that conclusion of acceptance. Yeah. And and first he handed it, first he said, okay, and then he hands it over and then he accepts it as just true. And it was at that moment that he was crucified. Right there. Everything else was just uh, uh, acting it out. So what's, re so again, I'm just, you're kind of blowing my mind here when I'm relating to it. Yeah. But be, when he got to that point, that means he got through it faster. Yep. He like just, when you get there, he just went you're... through it. Mm -hmm. Wow. Wow. So he wasn't he wasn't bargaining. He wasn't angry. He wasn't depressed. He wasn't, you know, uh, he wasn't denying the fact that, oh, this is what's going to come. If he had been at that point of acceptance and he just did what he had to do. Yeah but certainly knowing the pain he was going to endure. And that was some real physical pain, you know, and, and spiritual pain. He knew he was going to be separated from his father uh, for a period of time. You know, the Can't father, you. the father, you know, might've created hell, but he doesn't go there. Yeah. I can't even imagine. I've thought of it so many times. Actually, um, my husband years ago for uh, Easter gave me a, I used to like to have candle holders and the, it's a cross where you put a votive on the bottom, but uh, there's a, an olive branch with olives that go all the way around it. And uh, inscribed on it is he went to the garden before he went to the cross. Uh, and that actually started me in on that research, getting into the, the Hebrew and um, in the original language to really understand what these scriptures mean. Uh, that's what started me on that process, and it was so powerful. Every time I see it, it's it's one of the few things that I still have from that time in my life. Is that cross? It's a reminder that uh, we need to go to the garden. We need to go and back. That's there, right? It's yeah. time alone with the Lord, mm. and we don't want to do that. It's, it's interesting. No, we we do want to fight it, and sometimes yeah. we. We want, I should say, I, I can't really speak for anyone in the audience, but I assume that many people will relate. But mm -hmm. uh, sometimes we just want to feel that pain longer. I don't think it's that as much as it is because we run away from pain. I think it's, it's that, that moment of giving up our, our will. We don't give it up easily. Really no, don't. no, I understand. But what what, what I was saying, uh, for instance, uh, if someone who suffered depression, people who are depressed tend to want to stay depressed, um, and they do it with their actions. Uh, listen, I've seen you know I I come from a family of people who yeah, are depressed, yeah, and, yeah, and they they try to create more circumstances to justify their depression. I don't think that's that's. Um... It's not been my experience, interestingly enough. But then again, remember that I'm working with people who want to get better. That's true. So it's I have a totally different. I have to be very careful when I talk because I'm working with people who want to get better. Who have taken the uh, step forward to come and work with yeah, you? Yeah, I find most people do not want to be 
in that depression. They don't want to be there. It's incredibly uncomfortable. They don't know how to get out of it. So I'm sure there are people who are quite comfortable, you know, that that sort of victim, they're getting something out of it. Actually, what they're getting is more comfortable than the discomfort of depression. But also remember, depression is a biological process, and we really do not have control over our biological process. So it's it's tough. Depression is is a really, unless you've been there, uh, grief is the same thing. Unless you've been there, you really don't fully understand uh, what it's like to be there. And, and depression is is a horrible, horrible place to be. Yeah. Just just hopeless horrible place it sure is but you know those things you talked about the vagal nerve i think those oh, yeah. are really good first steps to, to really are. healing and 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 i think you know just even taking that step to do it uh, is making up something in your mind to say i'm pushing to get through this and and there's got to be a, a profound psychological effect from that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. starts the process for sure and it keeps it going. We only do what gives, we'll do something twice what's given us some form of, of comfort the first time, right? Yeah. So uh, that's that's why you get into addictions and, and all of those things. It, it gives comfort. And addiction being where we go, uh, other than God. It's a whole, we're going to something other than God for that comfort. Um, it's we need more experience with it. That seems to be the key with everything is just having a positive experience with it uh, once. And then you can remember to go back kind of, you know, remember God told the Israelites to set up altars everywhere. You know, when they came through the Red Sea and, and all of those places that whenever they saw those stones, they would remember what God had done. And so I often say to people, you know, set up an altar in, in your mind, Set up a place you can go back to that reminds you that this particular uh, process was effective. You know, those are great, useful tools. So then I guess the uh, the number six really intrigued me because uh, this is something, again, that everyone has faced. So what is the meaning in life for me going forward Yeah, uh, yeah. after experiencing like this? Yeah, because your life has changed. It's it grief. That's what it is. Grief is deaf to something. So um, and, you know, you talked about people who kind of want to stay and that's the biggie there in that even accepting there's been a death, you can still sit in that place of, you know, uh, I'm a widow, I'm an orphan, I'm this, I'm that. And the next step being actually making meaning of your life now. Most people who have had a death don't know what life looks like without that person. And the closer, uh, the more difficult it is to find a new life and find new meaning. And and, um, so I like that he's brought this out now. And I highly recommend the book. It's uh, David Kessler, K-E-S-S-L-E-R, Finding Meaning. Uh, Just what he goes through and he talks a lot about um, the the various kinds of grief as well uh, not just the death but loss of a job mental illness is is uh, um, one of the areas as well addictions is one of the areas he, he really covers a lot of very good areas in that way 
um, and normalizes it. But then, okay, now what are we going to do? And so once you start focusing your brain on forward, you, you're not as uh, focused on what you've actually experienced, but you're not going to do that for a while. Yeah. And so it's David Kessler. And what was the name of the book one more time? Finding Meaning. Uh, Finding the sixth, Meaning. The, the sixth stage of, of grief. Okay. And is yeah. it written from a Christian perspective as well? No. Just good advice. Just darn good advice. You know what? <laughs> good advice usually lines up with the with the word of God, right? You know. Yeah. Having gone through the the psychology part of um, of my training, you know, within a, a Christian community, uh, we were all really resistant to anything that wasn't written by a Christian. But I've really honestly learned that truth is truth, and God's truth is God's truth. So uh, to open yourself up and and run it by the Lord, of course. But the, neither of these people, they didn't talk about spirituality at all. This is, this is more, again, you're, you're, you're talking spirit, soul, body. <clears throat> so the soul being the mind, the will, and the emotions. So that's what I address in terms of psychology. Um, recognizing that we can only go so far if you don't include the spirit, because the spirit is, is what moves us. It's well, it's interesting that you put the spirit first, because I, as you know, I <laughs> I preach this all the time, that everything is created in the spirit first. So if you want to come past this stuff, you have to get your mind into that game to create it in the spirit, because that's how God made you. Well, it's interesting, because when we when we quote that scripture, by the way, Second uh, Thessalonians, I think it's 513, and bear with me on that, um, it does say your whole spirit, soul, and body, not body, soul, spirit. And it's interesting how we, as a culture, have put the body. That's what we see, right? But it's not the most important thing. The, the body is, a, is a, uh, uh, the caboose of the train. Well, right? and quite often our greatest adversary. Oh, like, yeah. You know, I think we give, we give the enemy way too much credit. It's, the, it's my flesh that's my greatest adversary. I can say that without a doubt. Oh, I'm with you. I'm with you for sure. And yeah, that's exactly so. It, as you say, and, and I say all the time, it's it, get into the spirit, get into the spirit. And the body will yank us out of that, as well as the mind, will, and emotions, right? Your mind just can can spin. <clears throat> um, so again, the adversary's been smart to get us to focus on the body first, oh, right? Stink. He is a stinker for sure. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> And we're all guilty of it, no matter where you where you are and what your training is and how many degrees and letters that you have under your name. And, you know, we're all there. It's until we are in the presence of God, that's going to be our battle. And he's given it to us for a reason. So we honor it and it's beautiful. Um, but it's still, yes, it is our challenge, isn't it? It Stay is. You know, and, and it's, you know, one of the most amazing revelations um, in getting to know you because, Carolyn, I know you're brilliant at what you do and I've seen the results of your work, but but at the same time, uh, I see you having to put these things into practice in your own life. Like, yeah. you know, you're a human too. A fireman's house can catch fire, right? Exactly. Like, exactly. And the know. fireman's going to run out of the house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing. I'm not going to hold myself up as being anything, you know, I, I struggle. 
I struggle something awful in a lot of areas and, and try to be as honest as I can about the process, you know, and, and even just this grief process is very fresh for me in many ways in, in my own life. Uh, recognizing, you know, that's an interesting thing about it as well. When you talk about power and control, recognizing you can only control what you, how you respond. It's the only thing you have power to control. And I say that to the people I work with over and over and over and over again, you can only control your response. Well, and it's, it's funny on top of that, something that I've said for years is you cannot control what you cannot see. And so you have to have eyes to see it. Yeah. And just getting into that, uh, that uh, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, right? Getting into that place where you're hidden with Christ and God. Mm. And, and he is, it sounds so, but you know what? That's the thing. It sounds so simple that people say it's got to be more complicated. And it's not. Even we've spent how long talking about grief? And it comes right down to just, just be. Just be. Just be. You don't have to say anything. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to, um, you know, make it better. It's not your job. Just be. Just open your arms to that person and say, hey, I get it. And I'm here for you. And I'm going to say really dumb things. <laughs> in my effort you know forgive me for that but um you know but, it's, you know, it's there's, you're just there to be in the moment like why worry about tomorrow when today has enough worries i guess you know there's there is some rest in that and yeah you know yeah. obviously i always tell people think strategically think forward but at the end of the day you cannot have worries you can't have anxiety about it you can't worry about the outcomes of things you have to live in the moment and just face things as they come mm -hmm. and it's it's the realizing that everything is fluid so even when you say yes plan for the future absolutely that's that's part of the present but it's where where do you come back to what is your place of balance your place of of um you know Peace is, it's only here. It's only where we are right now. I don't know how people survive without the Lord, to tell you the truth. I have no idea now. I guess I've I've known him for so long, and, you know, perhaps before I knew him, I was just sedated. <laughs> but yeah. it's, a yeah. you know, or a simple child before that. But it's, a, how how do people survive without the Lord? If you don't know the Lord, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a gift. Uh, that, you know, you will not be able to live without. It's not a crutch like the world tries to oh. uh, make it out to be. It is your, it is your, it is a sign of strength. It is everything. And, yeah. And, and if you, and if you consider yourself a leader, you better know how to follow first. You know, it's so true. And when you think of it, uh, think of anybody or ask anybody um, what the process was to accept the Lord. It took tremendous strength to give up your strength, to give up your power, and to agree to work with. And it's not that God completely controls. He, he wants to work with us. Mm -hmm. that's, he, that's his joy, is to have that communication with us and to be able to help us. He, he's not going to take us through or he's not going to take us from problems. As I said, grief is the price we pay for loving. And I'm telling you something, as much grief as I've had in my own life, 
I wouldn't give up those loves for anything. So it's, it's having him walk with you. It's the most powerful, awesome thing. The God of the universe is there. Why I would want to depend on my own strength is beyond me because so I wouldn't be alive right now if it wasn't you know, for the love of God. It, it's funny. I go back to that story on, uh, on Thursday that Cisco it said, and it's about uh, when she saw the souls that were created in the heavenlies. And and one thing that didn't come out, I don't think, on the broadcast, but she's told me when the first time I heard the story, is not only were those souls, those uh, honey droplets or whatever, circling around the throne, they were going through God because they're part of God, and that's the part of God that he gives to us. And then when when you think about it, that as a soul, you went to the book of records having full knowledge. You read the story of your life and you said, I'm going to go anyways. So when you think of that and, you know, when we think of someone like Josiah, who we just lost, yeah. uh, he came into this world knowing. knowing the role he was going to play. And I get so much comfort from that. That's really profound. Um, when I've as you know, I've suffered a lot of deaths in my family. And, and one revelation that God gave me, I was when my mother died, actually. Um, and as a chaplain, I've been uh, present at several deaths, not just a couple um, through the hospital. But uh, I was present with my mother. And the, the Lord gave me a revelation that that's outside of time. When, when my mother died, she was taken in. She knows everything. She knew she knows everything that that has happened. She's reunited with us at that point. It was mind bending to realize that this time on earth is such a short time in the light of eternity. Yeah. And I don't want to waste any time not completely connected to that source. Because we want to run our course, as Paul said, you know, we really want to run our course. Yeah. He has he has an awesome, beautiful purpose for us all. That's where we we can come back to the to the finding meaning again. Um, is that he knew this was going to happen, and he still has a plan for us outside of that death, on the other side of that death, on the other side of that loss. And so, uh, you know, often uh, there's a program called Grief Share, and uh, their kind of their mantra is uh, uh, through mourning to joy. And when you're in the early stages, joy is not something you're ever going to feel again. You just you just don't feel you're ever going to be there again. It's yeah. you're, you're destroyed. It's it's the most debilitating experience, mourning. But when you're on that other end and you found that meaning of, okay, well, God, how can you use me? But it's a challenge. It's a real challenge. You know, if I can come back to the what can we do to help people grieve? That's what we can do is listen. What does this mean to you now? Is there anything I can do to help you? Um, talk to me about it. What do you see? You're, because people are so uncomfortable with the pain of others that they don't want to get in there. They want to fix it. They want to say, okay, you're going to find joy. And you can't tell that to somebody who's in the early stages of grieving. You just can't. Well, the, the, the one thing I've seen my wife do, and I thought it was very profound, and you mentioned it earlier, but uh, she doesn't say anything. She just goes and brings a meal sort of thing, you know. 
and gives a hug. If, if I may, <coughs> if I may. Uh, when my husband died last year, uh, I text her because she was very much involved in just, she's such a person of service. Mm-hmm. And within 10 minutes, she was literally at the door with breakfast, which I didn't eat, but that's okay. And sat with me until his body was taken away. Yeah. And didn't say a word. She just sat and let me cry. Yeah. And that, you know, obviously everyone in my family and friends and that kind of thing was very blessed. But that was the most powerful expression of God's love to me. Yeah, and and I've and I've seen that happen over and over in different ways. She uh, reacts with service because that's really where her calling is. Uh, her calling is to service, and and I think there is such great wisdom in there because if you really want to help someone, then well, Jesus was a servant, so why not just serve them something? It doesn't have to be a meal. It doesn't have to, but do a service for them. Let me take this for you. Let me, let me, because if you don't have the words to say them and you probably don't, why not do something for them that will ease their burden? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And just giving yourself permission not to, and that's what she does. I don't think you're, I don't think she realizes what an amazing gift she is to the body of Christ because she just gives and and it's just so much a part of who she is. So you're very blessed man. Yeah, well, she's gonna hate the fact that we talked about her on this, you know. I'm sorry, dear. <laughs> uh, yeah, but so so listen, uh, this has been wonderful, and there's been Thank some you. really really great tips, Carol, and I appreciate you coming on and doing this. And uh, uh, I'm gonna still because you talked about her. Now I guess it's it's my turn. If there was one thing that you think the audience should know about me that they might not know, hold on, let me say a prayer first. <laughs> what what would you tell the audience? Mm. <laughs> you don't say no, or you don't, yeah. You don't take no for an answer when you're trying to force somebody to ride on the back of your motorcycle. (laughs) I have not forced you. (laughs) Very big, big motorcycle. (laughs) Now, I think most people know you're a pretty precious guy. So there's not much that anybody can you're you're just a great guy you really are you're the real deal so am i the same guy on the show as i oh, am in real 100%, life percent 100 percent. that's why i love listening to it what you see is what you get no thank you carolyn you're welcome <laughs> and uh, as i say i can't wait to meet more people and you know the show is not about me but you know i i want i also want people to know that i'm trustworthy i guess and that's and I didn't ask you to say anything, obviously, no. uh, but, you know, I do care about the audience and, and I, and I do approach this with a, a high level of responsibility, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Integrity. Honestly, uh, no one knows the struggles 
that you go through. You, you, you take the responsibility of this very seriously. And I think that's what I respect most about you is that you, you're not, you're not about fluff no. at all. No. And you're, you're just about, you know, the love of Jesus and, and hope, right? Trying to you know what? happiness. If you don't have hope, you don't have anything. Right. And uh, yeah. Right. So all those things and a little bit of clickbait once in a while. <laughs> Cut your hair and, and shave your beard, right? It's just, that's just part of who you are. <laughs> You're beautiful. Don't do it. <laughs> well, well that. <laughs> Carolyn, thank you. It's been such a thank pleasure you. having you on and, uh, and I've been wanting to have you on again. And by the way, uh, one of these days you might appear on right on you. Did you want to mention anything uh, about that? Oh, my gosh. A couple of courses are just spinning around in my brain. Uh, one of them definitely about grief and, and you know, an unusual grief, uh, disenfranchised grief, which is those things that we don't think are are, uh, are grief, like uh, estranged families and, as I said, addictions and that kind of thing that uh, David Kessler brought out. And another one on generational blessings and curses. It's a big thing. I did my doctorate dissertation on that. Yeah, that's so. what we originally talked about. And I think our uh, the audience would really love that. And let's yeah. face it, we all got to pray through uh, oh. the past generations. And, you know, as we were talking about last night, it's all about the blood. Right? It is. It is. It is. Remembering the blessings of a thousand generations, it, they, they're the scripture is awesome there. It's yeah. just, they'll run after you. They'll jump on your back though. <laughs> you can't run away from God's blessings. So focusing on those, those curses. Yeah, you have to do it, but it's not the whole story. There's so much hope and well, power. Yeah. Carolyn, that's the one I think I want to see from you first. I really you do. I think it's perfect. Yeah. And, uh, Listen, we want to we want to bring good content uh, to you, the the listener and stuff that you can use. And and the beautiful thing is it it's optional. You know, you don't have to do it. But at the same time, if you don't put something in, you're really not gonna get something out of it. And uh, you know, when you make a small commitment towards something, not only does it support us. Uh, but you're actually going to get better results from it. Uh, but we never put anything out of uh, price for anyone. So uh, just real important. And by the way, you can go to writeonyou.com uh, if you want to look at some existing courses that are up there. We have writeonmerch.com for our T-shirts. And of course, Jesse's uh, Patreon is listed below. And if you want to support the channel, there's a link there for a patron account as well. And we do really appreciate your support we appreciate your prayers uh most of all uh because we need it and uh and just in a really quick physical action that you can do the great listener is you can hit that like button please help us counteract what big tech is doing to get around these messages because they are not working for god's side i will just say that as an observation <laughs> So, hey, listen, until next time, remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community. News, views. 
opinions, and attitudes. Attitudes. It's actually uh, intriguing talk. You know, they talk about the news. And you have to respect them for that. You're listening to Right On Radio.